We'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for April 8th, 2019. And I've been meaning to play this next video for a long time, and it's entitled The Brains Behind Ocasio, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I mean, this is just unbelievable regarding this little sellout witch. I mean, I don't even want to give too much away, but if you're not aware of this, this is this is how bad politics has gotten. And I'm going to let this, this gentleman um, do the talking uh, regarding the subject because he's, he's researched it in, in, to a very, very high degree. The brains behind Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Mr. Reagan. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is not really the congresswoman of New York's 14th congressional district. She is essentially an actress. She's merely playing the part of a New York congresswoman. I know this sounds crazy, but bear with me. In 2017, a group called the Justice Democrats held auditions for potential congressional candidates that they would run on their platform for various congressional seats throughout the country. Alexandria- Auditions. We're talking people that are not even be remotely qualified for any people. These are auditions. These are actors or actresses. This is how bad it has gotten. Cortez's brother Gabriel. Sorry, I've been having massive technical difficulties with playing videos for like months now. Uh, can't figure it out, but hopefully this will play through. Cortez's brother Gabriel submitted her for the role. Now, I've auditioned for many acting roles in my day. I've also cast many of my own projects. I know how this works. If you find somebody with star power, even if they don't 100% fit the part, you go with it. Obviously, AOC has star power. Just look at her. She's a superstar, the most famous person in Congress, maybe ever. Their casting was perfect. Now, I didn't have to go digging for evidence for this because they freely admit it. They brag about it. Back in 2016, we put out a call for nominations. We got over 10,000 nominations out of the- Okay, so this is the lady that evidently hired her. They just gave her title. Um, it's Alexandria Rojas, Executive Director of Justice Democrats. So, I mean, they're open about this. Yet, are you seeing any of this on the news? No, but they're, they are very open about what they did call for nominations. We got over 10,000 nominations. Out of those 10,000 nominations, we found Alexandria. My brother told me that he had sent my nomination in the summer, but I was like, literally. This is her being interviewed, Alexandria Cortez. My brother told me that he sent my nomination in the summer. She's being interviewed on November 19, 2018 in Queens, New York. Working out of a restaurant, and I was like, there's no way. A casting call. They had a casting call. They cast Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the role of Congresswoman. And they did this so they could promote their own agenda. Yes. In this video, I'm going to make three- Beyond, I mean, so in this case, beyond a puppet, beyond just here's your script, here's what you follow, don't deviate from it. And evidently, you know, when you have any other politician, they, they've got to worry about, okay, well, are they going to deviate from the script? No, this was a witch that was hired to play this part of fake congresswoman. Serious accusations against 
Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. One, she did not actually run for Congress. Two, she is a puppet congresswoman. And three, the people controlling her are very dangerous. The first point I have already made, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did not run, she was run. What I mean by that is Alexandria did not take it upon herself to run for Congress. She was used by this group, the Justice Democrats, as a figurehead through which they could gain control of New York's 14th Congressional District House seat. These guys not only scripted and produced AOC's beautiful campaign video, but they organized the entire grassroots campaign effort. They handled all the fundraising, the social media, the get-out-the-vote effort. They turned Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez into a brand, and they used that brand to take control of that House seat. The people I'm looking at the video that's playing in the background of her original whatever campaign videos, and they're trying to portray her as this real down-to-earth, just I'm one of you type of people, and... and you know, meanwhile, George Soros and, and these types of people are the ones that are funding all this. ...of New York did not elect a Puerto Rican girl from Brooklyn to represent them. They elected an Indian guy from Texas and a white guy from Tennessee. Now, let's move on to my second accusation. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a puppet congresswoman. AOC does not make her own policy decisions. She does not decide which way she votes on legislation. She defers completely to her team. This is a serious claim, I know, but consider the following evidence. This is a video of Corbin Trent, one of Alexandria's top advisors, speaking with Zach Alexi, the Sololinsky-style strategy expert who organized much of AOC's campaign. Corbin Trent is now Alexandria's top congressional aide. And what's the stat that we were looking at earlier about... Uh... About how much people are making? Yeah, about low-income people and yeah. how big of a percent of our they society make that is. 40%. Uh, well, people that make uh, yeah. $19,999 a year or less. So people that make $20,000 a year or less uh, make up right at Brown. This is Corbin Trent talking, her, her chief campaign aide. 40% 40, uh, 40, uh, of Americans, right? So it's 40% of Americans make less than 20000 Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like 60 million people make less than, th than $20,000 a year. 200 million Americans make less than $20,000 a year. That's 40% of this country. 40% of Americans make less, less than 20000 That's 40% of this country. These guys are coaching her. They're scripting everything she says. You notice when she goes off script because she suddenly starts babbling incomprehensibly. The girl in this next clip is now the head of the Justice Democrats. Her name, Alexandra Rojas. Really, I think a big anchor piece is the Green New Deal and talking about it in a frame of social, racial, and economic justice and uh, a mobilization of our economy and our society at the scale of what we did during World War II. The Green New Deal... How is that going to be different? I think what we're calling for is a mobilization of our economy, of our society, on the scale that we haven't seen. Which would literally bankrupt every aspect of the government like a hundred times over. Like re basically retrofitting or tearing down all structures standing to make sure they're green. I mean, just the most asinine garbage you've ever heard in your life would totally destroy America and any country it was implemented in. But that was one of the, you know, things that you know she's recently proposed. But it wasn't her doing it. It was it was the people behind her. 
World War II. Like, this is the war, this is our World War II. It's clear that AOC is being coached on absolutely every policy point she makes. And if this is not enough to give you pause, consider that the Green New Deal was drafted in one weekend by her staff. From what I'm seeing, it got shot down for now. I think it was even a little more than than the New World Order was was able to implement. I, I believe that, again, they'll put these feelers out. They'll test the waters to see how the people will react to certain things. And even this was too radical for even a lot of the most radical Democrats. Now, not to say they might not resurrect it next year or two years from now or whenever they feel like the populace is ready. But for right this second, I believe it was shot down to a certain extent. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had zero to do with it. As far as I could find, she wasn't even in the room. Now, this is AOC's landmark legislation proposal. It essentially sums up her entire platform and lays out everything she wants to do in Congress. She didn't even participate in the drafting of the legislation. And again, these people aren't even trying to cover this up. They're proud of it. Again, AOC is a figurehead, a mouthpiece. The congressional seat is being operated behind the scenes. Old interviews show that the Justice Democrats initially declared that they wanted candidates of substance. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was a bartender. Mm -hmm. Now, who is more useful? Who did wet t-shirt contests. Okay, this is the caliber of person that they hired to play this part. An evil organization trying to take over Congress. A principled politician who happens to align with their views or a pawn. A malleable innocent who they can manipulate. Somebody completely ignorant of politics who must rely wholly on them to direct all her political positions, statements, and votes. AOC has had enough embarrassing gaffes to know that if she goes off script, it hurts. It can humiliate her. So she has become absolutely dependent on the instruction of her handlers. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez seems like, to anyone unfamiliar with her arrangement, like a bit of an enigma. Most of the time, she seems to bumble along with no apparent idea about what she's doing. But sometimes she says and does things that seem kind of brilliant. Let's play a lightning round game. I'm going to be the bad guy, which I'm sure half the room would agree with anyway. And, um, and I want to get away. This is her in Congress, February 6, 2019. As much bad things as possible ideally to enrich myself and advance my interest even if that means putting uh putting my interests ahead of the american people the limits that are placed on me as a congresswoman compared to the executive branch and compared to say the president of the united states would you say that congress has the same sort of standard of accountability um in terms of laws that apply to the president mm -hmm. yeah there's just almost no laws at all that apply to the president so i'm being held and every person in this body is being held to a higher ethical standard than the president of the united states that's right because there are some committee uh, ethics committee rules that apply to you and it's already super legal as we've seen for me to be a pretty bad guy so right. it's even easier for the president of the united states to be one i would assume that's right thank you very much this is initially what got me thinking. Who's pulling the strings here? Who's the man 
behind the curtain. I went to CPAC last week, as some of you know, in Washington, D.C., and I met a lot of people in politics. Occasionally, uh, somebody would bring up AOC. I always took this opportunity to ask one question. Who's really running the show? Who's the brains behind Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? One guy had an answer. He grabbed his phone, he pulled up a Politico article, and he shoved it into my hand. That's who, he said. The man behind the curtain is this guy. Saikat Chakrabarty. Saikat was AOC's campaign manager and is now her chief of staff. Saikat came out of Harvard and worked as an organizer for the Bernie Sanders campaign. This guy doesn't really have the charisma to run for office himself. He's a little awkward. He might have Asperger's or something like that. He kind of reminds me of Daniel Radcliffe, actually. But don't let his disarming awkwardness fool you. He's been an extremely effective political operative. He's got some terrifying political influences, and he's suspected of committing some severe campaign finance violations. But we'll get into all that later. Saikat Chakrabarty is a sinister character, and hearing more about him later will give you chills. But the man who hired him to head up the Justice Democrats will horrify you, if you can even believe it. The mastermind behind it all, Jank Uger of the Young Turks. Oh. Now this may all sound completely nuts, like a big conspiracy theory, but the Justice Democrats was heavily promoted on the Young Turks. We have video evidence from the inception through into the campaigns. I think they have maxed out on incompetence. So that is why we must choose a new path. And that is what we embark upon today. What we need to do is take over the Democratic Party. And as Martin Luther King said when he did the Civil Rights Movement, he said... This he is this yank whatever... Uh, from the Young Turks, who are just totally 100% Luciferian agenda. Okay, so I mean, they're pure evil. So this is who you're here talking. Doing it not just to help African Americans, but to save the soul of America. Here we're going to try to save the soul of the Democratic Party by boarding the Democratic Party's ship and taking it over. How are we going to do that? We're going to run strong progressives. From now on, there will be a new wing of the Democratic Party and it will be the Justice Democrats. It's the Justice Democrats that put her and did all the slick videos and gave her all of her talking points as an actress, Ocasio-Cortez. So they're trying to take over the already unbelievably radical Democratic Party and make it much, much more radical. And all you have to do is look at what they want to fill it with Muslims and they want to fill it with people like Ocasio-Cortez uh, who are just all total vessels of Satan, with the most radical, evil, socialist agendas you've ever seen. That's how they want to take over the Democratic Party. And they're accomplishing, they're already starting to accomplish this at an amazing pace. And I don't mean that in a good way. We'll seek social justice, economic justice, racial justice, and plain old justice justice. Now, you might think, if, if Cenk wanted influence in government, why didn't he just run? If Saikot Chakrabarty wanted influence in government, I mean, despite his awkwardness, why didn't he run? Why put up AOC? The goals of this group are far grander and far more sinister than simply electing a single congresswoman to office. The goals are to take over the Democratic Party, eventually take control of Congress, and in turn, control the United States. And I know all of this sounds completely insane, but they have expressed their intentions very clearly on camera. We're going to run hundreds of candidates, and we're going to primary all the de establishment Democrats. So we're not going to be like, ah, oh, is it Chuck Schumer? Maybe yes, maybe no, right? right? 
No, it's a hard no. But wait a minute now. Are you really going to primary vulnerable Democrats? Yeah, that's the whole point. If in 2018 we don't achieve our grand vision of, of a wholesale change in two years, which is very, very hard, we know that, right? You get, are you kidding me? If you got six, let alone 12, let alone 24 people in Congress, you know what would happen in Washington? People would freak the hell out. They'd be like, oh my God, what in the world? These guys that had no money to begin with, no nothing to begin with, just put... 24 people in Congress? Look, we want hundreds. We want, to, we want to replace Congress. In an article in Politico, one journalist wrote, the group's criteria for picking primary targets is unclear and at times contradictory. Yeah, that's because their goal is not ideological. Their goal is control and power. Washington doesn't care about beseeching. That's not how it works. They care about power. So primaries are an exercise in power. It's way past time that progressives exercise their power in this country, and that's exactly what these guys are doing. Waleed Shaheed, communications director for the Justice Democrats, has said, you can tacitly support Medicare for All and the Green New Deal, and we still might primary you, because there's enough energy in the district to find somebody more charismatic and compelling who is actually going to be a movement builder. No, you know why they might primary you? Because they don't own you, and maybe they found somebody that they think can beat you and that they can control another AOC. Right. Even Ilhan Omar has said it's quite inappropriate for groups to decide on whether or not somebody deserves to represent their district. Those decisions need to come from the people that we represent. And Ilhan Omar was actually endorsed by the Justice Democrats after she won her primary. The reason well, more of course, because she's a Muslim and that's Satan's agenda. People aren't speaking out against this completely unethical political tactic is that nobody knows. And she married her brother to boot. The Ilhan Omar, the Muslim. I mean, you might be asking, if all these guys are so corrupt, if what they're doing is so obviously sinister, why hasn't anybody else reported on it? Their tactics have been extremely different to anything seen in the U.S. before, and that's probably why nobody has copped on to what they're doing yet. Also, mostly what they're doing is annoying Democrats, so conservatives haven't paid all that much attention. The first thing the Justice Democrats did was to try to primary Democratic incumbents. What that means is they would mount primary campaigns against incumbent Democrats, establishment Democrats already in Congress that they didn't like. This, as far as I can tell, was Jank Uger's idea. Basically, the concept was, since many establishment Democrats weren't progressive enough, i.e. socialist, the Justice Democrats would nominate their own candidates to mount a primary challenge. One of the guys they didn't like was Joe Crowley, the guy that they put AOC up against. He had been in Congress for 20 years. Other members of Congress have reached out to AOC to try to convince her to stop primarying establishment candidates, but they're reaching out to the wrong person. AOC does not control the show. They should be trying to convince Saikat Chakrabarti. He's the one AOC takes her orders from. But Jenk and Saikat's plan is not to win a couple of congressional seats. It's total congressional domination. Look, we want hundreds. We want to... We want to replace Congress. Basically, Jenks' plan in creating the Justice Democrats was to replace all the Democrats in Congress with his own people. Radical leftists, socialists, people who would fall in line with his ideology. And he did it. He actually... And can you imagine with the vote rigging now that we just covered, that they've already got set up through DARPA? And the fact that Donald Trump's on board, you know, it's all theater. Can you imagine the outcome of the next elections unless there's 
like divine intervention or you know trump's base the christians wake up and start praying and fasting against this i don't see it happening to be quite honest with you and, and i don't mean to be johnny raincloud but i've been screaming about this stuff for years and you know we're only seeing it get worse and the bible predicts you know that this was going to be the case but um as a watchman i feel like i'm 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 required to bring this information so that you're aware of it. Now, Jenk comes up with a, a clever quip from time to time, and he's been able to create a very successful propaganda platform with the Young Turks. But if you've ever watched him, you know he's not exactly a genius. He, he talks and acts more like a two-bit thug than a political pundit. He is. So how did he do it? He hired geniuses. He brought in the top guys from the Bernie campaign. The Bernie campaign was unprecedented in their grassroots success. They were brilliant. I actually did a lot of research on this, and the keys to their success are equal parts nefarious and creepy, but they are, nevertheless, very effective. And you gotta hand it to Jenk. Bringing these guys on was a brilliant move. Fresh from the Bernie campaign with nothing to do, they must have been itching to tackle a new left-wing political project. So Jenk had this crazy idea. Replace all the Democrats in Congress with his own hand-picked radical left socialists. And he had a brilliant idea. Get the geniuses from the Bernie campaign to do it for him. And they did it. They succeeded. Perhaps not as well as they wanted, but it did work. And that is terrifying. Of the guys that Jenk brought in from the Bernie campaign, the two most important, from what I could find, were Saikot Chakrabarty and Zach Exley. Psychot seems to be the philosophical core of the operation, and Zach Exley is the organizational mastermind. Zach Exley is basically an expert on Sololinsky-style community organizing, and both he and Psychot are tech guys. They're very experienced with social media campaigning. Now, they did a great job in 2018, but make no mistake, these guys are not content with their 2018 victory. They're playing a long game here. 2018 was just the beginning. They'll redouble their efforts in 2020, 2022, 2024, at which time I am 100% convinced that they will run somebody for president. For the 2018 elections, the Justice Democrats endorsed 79 candidates. 26 of them won their primary elections. Seven of them won in the general election and are now in Congress. Most of these people's names I can't even pronounce. Raul? And you look at all the Muslims, which are probably a lot of them are, that took political office i saw a listing you know, a few months ago on it or a couple months and it was staggering i mean i'm talking like all the different even local municipalities but it was staggering the number of muslims that are in office right now in america rajalva ro khana ion presley pramila jayapal rashida Tlai. i mean guaranteed tons of these are, are muslim devils Ilhan Omar, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Of these seven, three were chosen through the audition process and are, as far as I can tell... So they're actively auditioning Muslims because that is the best takeover strategy they've found because they can hide behind the whole politically correct religion, can't criticize Islam or say anything against us. Meanwhile, they're gutting us and slitting our throats and raping our children and doing all this other stuff. But you can't say anything against it because it's Islam. And Satan loves Islam, so don't you start. But you can kill Christians in mass, you know, which is happening every single day still. Thousands and thousands. Sometimes I believe on a daily basis, hundreds on a daily basis, all around the world. Can't say that that will not even appear in the news cycle because they are non humans. 
The only ones that count from a religious standpoint that need to be protected are Muslims. That's it. That is how corrupt and evil the mainstream media has become. ...of the Justice Democrats, Sankat Chakrabarty and Najank Uyghur. These candidates are Ayan Presley, Rashida Tlaib, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Imagine if they run not 79 candidates, but 200 or 400 or 1,000. At their current rate of success, they would get 88 House seats. And if they improve their techniques, they might get more, including Senate seats. The first screenplay... Yeah, but if you've got the whole voting process rigged, he's not even taking that into account. And then what we just heard with DARPA taking it over and Trump doing nothing about it. Who knows how many they will put in Congress in, in the next election cycle. ...wrote... I was 15. It was about a future in which a megalomaniac was trying to take over the U.S. government. He was trying to do this by installing puppet politicians throughout the U.S. Congress, giving him a majority, and in the climactic point in the movie, his puppet president is also elected. So in my screenplay, this uh, villain effectively gains control over the U.S. government through these politicians who are loyal to him. I never thought that this fiction that I wrote as a teenager would ever become reality. It's completely crazy, but it looks like this has actually started to happen. Jenk Uger is no longer formally associated with the Justice Democrats or AOC's congressional team, but whether or not he still holds influence over these people is unknown. What is known is that these people are dangerous. Zach Exley is a radical left open borders guy who was once a fellow at the Open Borders Foundation, which is George Soros' organization. Mm, and he seems to be the least extreme of these guys. Cenk mm. Uygur calls his organization the Young Turks. The Young Turks is named after a group of Turkish revolutionaries formed in 1911 who slaughtered 1.5 million people in the Armenian Genocide. So we know where Cenk's... A ton of them were Christians. ...influences at. Saikat Chakrabarti is influenced by this guy, Subhas Chandra Bose. How do we know this? Because he wears this... This Che Guevara style shirt with Subhas Chandra Bose's face on it right. in most of his videos. <laughs> that seems like a pretty deliberate choice. Yes. At first, I actually thought it was his own face. I was like, why is this guy wearing a shirt with his own face on it? Yeah, it looks That's a lot like him. Crazy narcissistic. <laughs> but then I figured out it was this Subhas guy. So who is Subhas Chandra Bose? He was the violent complement to the nonviolent Mahatma Gandhi. Yes, the legendary Gandhi. Whilst Gandhi was trying to expel the British from India non-violently, this guy was like, no, let's start a war and let's kill them all. Actually, it was worse than that. Much, much, much worse. Subhas called himself a socialist, but he is quoted as saying, our philosophy should be a synthesis between Nazism and communism. Another important thing that we need to recognize about Subhas is that he was an anti-colonialist. Now, we're not super familiar with this political... So you've got George Soros, the open borders guy, the Subhas guy, all as an amalgamation, then that Ert whatever guy, the, the guy from the Young Turks. You've got all that satanic compilation, which is what is driving and scripting Alexandria Cortez. I mean, that's, it's an amalgamation of all those things of what is coming out of her mouth, whatever agenda she's putting forward, because all she is is a mouthpiece and a wind-up toy for them. 
perspective here in the US, but in India, anti-colonialism causes deep resentment to this day. This is explained in the documentary film 2016, Obama's America. In this film, Dinesh D'Souza explains anti-colonialism and shows how these ideas influence Barack Obama because, and this is the scary part, the United States is founded on colonialism. To the anti-colonialist, the US is an evil empire that colonized North America. The United States is the enemy and is to be fought, is to be resisted, torn down. This is the guy that Saikot Chakrabarti, AOC's chief of staff, wears on his t-shirt, a pro-violence, anti-colonial socialist who dreamed of a Nazi communist government. This is the man behind the curtain. This is the brains behind AOC. It's definitely... Well, I truly believe, though, George Soros is the one that's funding all this, the money, and then, you know, that's just that's just basically like saying Satan. ...to me that he's not a congressman, but that he is the man behind the curtain. There is no accountability for the man behind the curtain. If AOC falls from grace, he can just hire another actress. There are no term limits to being the guy behind the curtain. When I got back from CPAC six days ago, Saikot Chakrabarti was in the news for the first time ever. I was surprised because I'd never heard of him until I went to Washington. As it turns out, he has been flagged recently for diverting at least $1 million in campaign donations from the political action committee that he was running to shell companies that he set up. At the moment, it's unclear whether he was embezzling the money or just hiding it from FEC oversight. Either way, it looks like he's in trouble. For a guy who claims to be trying to get money and influence out of government, he doesn't seem to mind leveraging those tools himself. You, you may have heard something about this. What you probably haven't heard about is AOC's sinister living wage rules. So AOC announced a little while ago that she was going to cap her congressional staff's pay at 80000 so that she could pay her bottom-level staff a living wage and her interns $15 per hour. But here's the thing. AOC's living wage rule allows her staff to dodge financial disclosure laws. Under federal law, congressional employees who earn over $126,000 per year must disclose all of the outside money that they earn. Because AOC's top staff will not be making over $126,000 per year, they will not be subject to this law. I wonder who came up with this brilliant scheme, Saikat Chakrabarti. I know it wasn't the bartender. This team of guys who got AOC elected and who are now pulling the strings of her congressional seat declared at the outset that they were trying to bring integrity into government, transparency, to flush out the corruption. Oh, well, yeah. it looks like they're right. trying in every way they possibly can to hide their own activities. They say that sunlight is the best disinfectant. I say it's about time we pulled the curtain all the way back on this particular wizard and all of his friends. Oh, and just remember, the next time you see Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she's fake. She's a fraud. She's not real. None of her yeah. tweets are actually her tweets. None of her speeches are her speeches. Right. Her answers to questions and in interviews, she was coached to give those. She's not a real congresswoman. She's an actress. All right, that's it for me. So we have that. I mean, I, I was just, I was floored when I heard that. I, I didn't realize that, I mean, she literally tried out for this part. Totally unqualified in every way, shape, or form. Just to be a mouthpiece, essentially, for the George Soros agenda. So we have that. Uh, next report. UN Summit seeks new world order to transform the way we live. This is Christian Gomez with the New American Magazine, and today's top headline is written by Alex Newman, entitled, UN Summit Seeks, quote, New World Order to, quote, Transform the Way We Live. 
Today we have with us the author of that piece, Alex Newman. Thank you for joining us today on the program. Hey, it's great to be with you. Thanks so much, Christian. So, Alex, uh, there was a U.N. summit uh, in Nairobi, Kenya. Tell us about this summit that we haven't heard much about in, in the media. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Christian. This was the uh, U.N. Uh, Environment Assembly, the fourth, and uh, it took place in Nairobi, Kenya. And uh, what was, I think, most remarkable about this UNSO, they, they like to call themselves the highest decision-making body for the world on the environment, uh, so really bombastic. And uh, what was so remarkable, I think, about this summit is how open they were about the agenda. Uh, you had the head of uh, the UN Environmental Agency, uh, Joyce Msuya from Tanzania, uh, miseducated in Canada, says, our planet has reached its limits and we need to act now. We are delighted that the world has responded here in Nairobi with firm commitments to build a future where sustainability will be the overarching objective in everything we do. Uh, if countries deliver on all that was agreed here and implement the resolutions, we'll take a big step towards a new world order where we no longer grow at the expense of nature, but instead we see people and planet thrive together. So, so whenever you hear the word sustainability, that is essentially... Um, doing whatever it takes in order not to grieve Mother Gaia. They believe Mother Planet Earth says Mother Gaia. And uh, this is why the world population has to be reduced to 500 million and perpetual balance with nature and all of the other commandments on the Georgia Guidestones. It's all about sustainability. So when you hear that word, it's always a new world order agenda buzzword in order to justify whatever horrific actions or plans that they have. Wow, this is the kind of language revealing. that it is. And if we had said two years ago that these U.N. bureaucrats were working to and using environmentalism as a pretext to build a new world order, the fake news in America would have said, oh, look, a conspiracy theorist. How cute. Uh, and yet here you have the leader of this U.N. agency talking about the need for a new world order. You had another U.N. leader, the president of this assembly. Um, he's the uh, environment minister, I think, in Estonia. And uh, he said that uh, this, the, the agreements reached at this conference are going to transform the way we live. So we're going to have a new world order. It's going to transform the way we live, all under the pretext of saving the environment, saving the planet from evil humans. So this was a very significant conference, and it received virtually no media attention in the United States, Christian. This quote from Musuya that you just read, where was that? Was that an, an official quote? Was that just something that... Um that she said while speaking in an interview or a speech? Where did that come from? Uh, believe it or not, this was actually in a press release that was sent to my personal email. Uh, so, I, you know, because I go so to a lot of these UN press conferences, then. it was an official press release from the UN Environment Agency. Uh, and because I go to a lot of these conferences, I'm on all their email lists. And so they literally emailed this quote to my inbox. And, uh, you know, it, it's well, that makes your incredible job how bold they're being. Oh, it certainly does, yeah. <laughs> so, and if, but, and if uh, you... And if you receive this in your inbox as a journalist and a reporter, um, I'm assuming, well, we're assuming that other journalists would have received the same message in their inboxes, yet we haven't heard much about this, or if anything at all, from the mainstream establishment media, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, they seem to be silent on this one. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, that? Yeah, thousands and thousands of journalists in the United States and around the world must have received the same email with these same uh, quotes and the same information. 
Uh, what's happening, though, is the U.S. media would rather keep us distracted with fake news, you know, pay attention to what the Kardashians are doing. Oh, my goodness, an airplane crashed. And so we need to talk about that for eight days. Um, you know, oh, my goodness, another fake Trump scandal, you know, on and on and on. Never the real news that matters, which is here's the, the you know leaders of the world. And this wasn't just some fly by night conference. Right. Uh, you had the president of France, Emmanuel Macron, there preaching about the need to have a global government with global laws and global regulations and all the rest of it. This was a hugely significant event. And we didn't hear a peep about it from the U.S. media. And to the extent that it was mentioned, it was just kind of a footnote. Oh, look, some cute environmental leaders meeting together to save us all from evil pollution and all the rest of it. Uh, it, it's, it's incredibly revealing about the state of the U.S. media that this was not on the front page of every newspaper in America, that this is not being endlessly cycled on the 24-hour uh, cable news, quote-unquote, I should put news in quotes, networks. Um, you know, it, it just proves, once again, that the media in the United States is a total joke, and if you want real information, you'll have to find it from sources like the New American. So this conference, absolutely, absolutely. So this conference was held in Nairobi, Kenya, what came out of the conference? So we know that the French president uh, was there, uh, President Macron. Uh, was there a U.S. presence there? And um, what did the world leaders that were there, uh, what did they agree to at the end of this conference, if anything? There was a U.S. delegation there, and it was led by a senior bureaucrat from the State Department. I think it was the Bureau of Oceans and International Affairs. Um, and so there was a U.S. presence there. They hosted some roundtable groups and all the rest of it. Uh, and the conference as a whole, uh, they ended up producing a bunch of resolutions and final declarations. And I encourage people to go read the article and then go read the resolutions because this stuff is very revealing. Uh, I mean, they are laying the foundation for a global environmental government or a global government under the pretext of environmentalism. And, uh, you know, they talk about getting rid of plastics, right? You know, the jihad on plastics that we've seen in California is now spreading worldwide. They want to get rid of plastic straws and single-use plastic packaging, which, of course, has done amazing things for sanitation, for the availability of cheap goods and services to poor people. Uh, you have all of this buoy stuff from the UN under the pretext of saving the planet. And so they have agreements on plastics, agreements on oceans, agreements on uh, the environment. And all of it really revolves, Christian, around Agenda 2030. Uh, the key theme of this conference was sustainable production and consumption, which is one of the key points in the Agenda 2030, one of the sustainable Absolutely. development goals. And, uh, you know, I, I say this all the time, I, I almost feel like a broken record, but you can't have the government control production and consumption without having a totalitarian state, right? In a free country, consumers and producers and private property owners decide things related to consumption and production. They decide what to produce, how to produce it, what to consume, when to consume it, et cetera, et cetera. When you start talking about having the government rearrange production and consumption to achieve some nebulous notion of sustainability, uh, you're talking about eliminating freedom, eliminating private property, eliminating free markets. And of course, that's the goal. And the most ironic thing, Christian, when you, you know they do all this under the pretext of saving the environment, the most ironic thing is that the countries with the cleanest environments are the countries with the most devotion to free markets and private property. So the United States and Switzerland and Australia and New Zealand and Hong Kong, I mean, these are the countries with clean environments. The countries with the most polluted and disgusting environments are the countries where governments control production and consumption. The former Soviet Union, Zimbabwe, Venezuela, I mean, these are environmental disaster zones. They can't even keep the lights on. They polluted all their rivers, all their oceans. It's, it's an absolute insanity. 
and yet they tell us here that uh, they're going to save the environment by bringing us Marxism in uh, environmental packaging. It's ludicrous. Well, we encourage everyone to read your article available on thenewamerican.com. Again, the UN Summit Seeks New World Order to Transform the Way We Live. By okay, and I gave you a link to that article in the, uh, it'll be on page, probably about on page three or four regarding that. So if we continue further, I'm kind of segueing into this because this is all about saving the planet, right? I saw this the other day. And it's, it was entitled Geoengineering Science to Destroy Planet Earth. Blocking the sun is the key to destroying food, product, food production and collapse the ecosystem. When, and then you have the 5G being implemented in the 5G satellites. That will probably cause the colony collapse of all bees worldwide, which will mean that I don't even know how they're going to produce food at that point. So it would be basically starving everybody out of existence. And that's literally coming this, this year. I'm not saying that all bees are going to be gone this year. But if they get all those satellites up in the air, which is something we should be praying against, if you ask me, and I've got it on the prayer list now, um, even just all the cell phone towers and the 5G and all that, that by itself is causing havoc with the bees and has been for a long time. But the satellites, I think, would be a whole other different deal because I, I don't. it's going to bathe the whole earth in this stuff. So, But blocking the sun is the key to destroying food production and collapse the ecosystem with billions to die of starvation, cold, violence, and poverty. And there, there's a list, there's a stack of books, and I don't know if they got these books at a library or wherever, but just a stack of, I mean, these are old books, a lot of them. One of them is titled Weather. One of them is A Case for Climate Engineering. Another one's A Field Guide to the Atmosphere. Can Science Fix Climate Change? The Weather Business, Weather Modification. Big, gigantic books. Um... Chemtrails confirmed. Weather and climate modification. Weather and uh, deliberate corruption of climate science. Uh, chemtrails harp full spectrum dominance on the planet. All these books are getting into this. I'm sure some of them are promoting it and some of them are exposing the whole chemtrailing program. But, you know, they're spraying us essentially like cockroaches every day. And in one of the, the main goals is to create like this haze over us where the sun cannot penetrate, which really really messes up crop yields and now we have the flooding going on in, in the midwest a million calves were killed in that flooding and it's supposed to be bad all the way into i believe late may so we're we're just kind of getting cranked up on that they already blew that one dam which there was a lot of evidence to prove that it was blown now and the amount of farmers that are going to have to sell their farms as a result of that, because they've lost everything, they can't replant, it's too late in the season, they just can't go on. Big Agra's going to come in and sweep that up, and um, one million calves or are not going to be, are dead from this, so you can expect the price of beef to skyrocket in the next few months. Um, I mean, unless there's some big compensatory mechanism I'm not aware of. <laughs> I mean, they're doing everything they can do to destroy and particularly America seems to be the focal point. Now, I'm not saying that, like, they're not doing this in other parts of the earth, but it seems like that in America it's, it is their main focus right now. And I've talked a lot about that in, in times past. Okay, so next report. Medieval diseases making a comeback due to feces on streets. Experts warn of public health crisis. 
Medieval diseases are making a comeback in major American cities thanks to increasing amounts of feces on the streets. Well, that's one of the reasons, but another reason is because the third world illegal alien invaders are bringing all their diseases. And again, I pray that their souls be saved. I do. I don't wish them any harm, but they are coming here illegally. And a lot there's a lot of gang members. There's a lot of MS-13. There's a lot of child sex traffickers. And there's a lot of people that are the worst of the worst that the countries purge out and send north into America. So America's getting the worst of the worst. And a lot of them are laden with these diseases as well. So that's another factor. According to a report by Kaiser Health News, infectious diseases, some that ravage populations of the Middle Ages, are resurging in California and around the country and are hitting homeless populations especially hard. And all this is by design, just one more cog in the whole satanic wheel to take down America. Outbreaks of Shingella bacteria and hepatitis A, both of which are caused by exposure to feces, are on the increase in Southern California, New Mexico, Ohio, Kentucky, primarily among people who are homeless and use drugs. Experts are now warning of a public health crisis that could see public diseases spread to the general population because it'll, it'll reach a tipping point where then the general population will start getting infected, which will be all the more reason for them to come around and say, oh, everybody needs to be vaccinated against this because it's some big health, public health crisis, you know, like this, you know, fake... I mean, it's not even a public health crisis on the measles thing, other than the people that are getting the actual shots and, and getting infected with it and then spreading it to other people and the third world people that are coming here that are spreading it. But again, they can use this in order to have that excuse. And we're already seeing what they, they tried up in New York to do that. I, I've heard that I, there was a report on Natural News Today, which was good. Let me just see if I can find that real quick. So thank God for this, and I don't have a lot to uh, positive from a worldly secular standpoint to typically report on, but the Supreme Court of the state of New York has overturned the medical martial law declared uh, by Rockland County, New York, whose head, whose head executioner, Ed Day, had declared a state of emergency and threatened to imprison children and teens for up to six months if they were caught in public unvaccinated. In the utter violation of human rights and civil liberties, Ed Day had threatened all the children of Rockland County with jail time if they dared step foot in a church, school, mall, government building, public library, public transportation system. I reported on this at length in a recent teaching. The declaration was obviously pushed by Big Pharma, and Ed Day is on record hard to roll out the red carpet for biotech companies as part of the economic growth strategy for Rockland County. His emergency declaration, not surprisingly, was based on total quackery and medical fear-mongering. Even the New York Supreme Court confirmed that <clears throat> calling the medical martial law declaration arbitrary and capricious, which is the court's way of saying that Ed Day's lunatic medical tyrant who ginned up a declared martial law for no justifiable reason. Again, though, this is testing the waters. This is seeing, engaging what public reaction is, and, and I'm hoping that <clears throat> there is enough public reaction that pushed this back. So this is why I'm so big on being proactive in prayer, fasting, education, whatever you can do. Because that is what sends the signal to the New World Order that no, this will not be tolerated. And it's a big reason this ministry exists. So going further, we're back to the main report. 
Uh, many would assert that the homeless problem and by extension the feces problem in cities like San Francisco is being exacerbated by the government handing out free needles to drug addicts. Because that's what you always want to do. San, Fr San Francisco's junkie problem, and they're doing this all across the nation though in a lot of areas, many of whom live on the streets and use sidewalks as outdoor toilets now stands, so this is the junkie population, stands at 24,500. I don't know, how, how do you get an accurate head count on something like that? You know, I mean, I, come on, like a census? But they say it's 24,500, an increase of 2,000 drug users since 2012. Come on, I, I got a feeling it's a whole lot more than that. And then 8,500 more people than the city's 16,000 high school students have. Despite this increase, the city handed out a record 5.8 million free syringes last year so that they could inject their heroin. About 500,000 more than 2017. Why? Because it's all about killing us off. And creating this horrible, debauched, satanic environment. And defiling God's land. And, you know. There were 9,659 calls complaining about needles littering the streets in 2018. An increase of a third on the 2017 numbers. Instead of keeping people mired in an, an endless cycle of desperation and addiction, surely the money would be better spent on making them go clean, maybe. But again, remember, there's a demonic component to this. And, you know, I really believe unless you're you're addressing the demonic component or you're addressing what Jesus can do to free you, you know, regarding getting saved and this, uh, these other things, ultimately, you're not really fixing the problem because there are demons behind all this stuff that have to be addressed. So I've, the next report, man, I have received already in the short time this report has been about, which has only been a couple days, I have received a lot of um, my listeners sending me this and asking if I would cover this. It's only been two days. And this is Candida aurin, auris fungus, a mysterious drug-resistant germ deemed an urgent threat is quietly sweeping the globe. Thanks to overprescription of antimicrobial drugs and the use of antifungicides in crop production, a relatively new germ that preys on people with weakened immune systems is rapidly spreading across the globe, according to the New York Times. Here's a, a slide of it if you want to see what it looks like on a microscopic level. Uh, the infection, a fungus known as Candida auris, kills almost half of all patients who contract it within 90 days. This is a fungus. This is a candida fungus that does this. 50% kill rate within 90 days. According to the CDC. So usually they underblow the statistics. So it may be worse. It's as impervious to most as it's impervious to most major antifungal medications, first described in 2009 after a 70-year-old Japanese woman showed up at a Tokyo hospital with these with candida auris in her ear canal the aggressive yeast infection has spread across asia and europe since then the earliest known case in the united states involved a woman who arrived at a new york hospital on may 6 2013 seeking care for respiratory failure she was 61 and from the united arab emirates she died a week later and after testing positive for the fungus at the time the hospital hadn't thought much of it but three years later 
It sent the case to the CDC after reading the agency's June of 2016 advisory. It's a creature from the Black Lagoon, said CDC's Tom Chiller, who heads the fungal branch. It's bubbled up and now it's everywhere. In the last five years alone, it has swept through a hospital in Spain, hit a neonatal unit in Venezuela, spread through India, Pakistan, and South Africa, and forced a prestigious Brit British medical center to close its ICU for nearly two weeks. By the end of June 2016, a scientific paper reported an ongoing outbreak of 50 Candida auris cases at Royal Brompton, and the hospital took an extraordinary step. It actually shut down the ICU for 11 days, moving intensive care patients to another floor again with no announcement. Now, here's a couple maps they give you where you can see where the cases are by state. Uh, <clears throat> so there's a map there. It looks like it's primarily right now, or as far as confirmed cases, Texas, Oklahoma, California, Florida, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut. Those are the, the places right now. At least that's according to what they're saying. <clears throat> Days later, the hospital finally acknowledged to the newspaper it had a problem. A headline in the Daily Telegraph warned intensive care unit closed after deadly new superbug emerges in UK. After Candida Oris reached New York, New Jersey, and Illinois, the CDC added it to the list of germs deemed urgent threats. Now, here's a world map of where it's at. So there's, a, if you want to know more, it's, it's all in the PDF for April 9th, 2019 at contendingfortruth.com. Last May, an elderly man who was admitted to a Brooklyn branch in Mount Sinai Hospital for abdominal surgery was found to be infected with the drug-resistant candida. He died 90 days after 90 days in the hospital. However, Candida auris did not, <clears throat> did not according to the times. All right, I don't know what that means. According to tests, the germ was everywhere in his room. Oh, okay, I get it. Okay, he died nine, after 90 days in the hospital. However, the Candida auris did not, according to the times, mean what was in his room that he left behind after he died, the Candida auris did not die. According to the test, the germ was everywhere in his room to such a degree that the hospital required special cleaning equipment and had to rip out the ceiling and floor tiles to get rid of it. See, that's the problem with mold and fungus. I mean, it can get like so far embedded into your house that it's un uninhabitable. I've got listeners that this has happened to. I know I've got friends back in Florida that this happened to. And it, with a lot of this stuff, I mean, it's just lethal. Absolutely lethal. You look in the Bible when it talks about mold, or it's also called blasting. And the protocols in the Bible in the Old Testament, I believe, I don't know if it was Leviticus or whatever, on, on what you did. I mean, you basically had to tear the whole house down. And these were like stone houses and stuff. These weren't like houses that have like drywall and all these other places that would be more conducive for mold growth. There are protocols in the I think I went over that in, in, in a recent, um, I don't know, teaching within the last couple years. I mean, it's bad when, when you get into mold. And it's, you know, it's a lot of times too, the mold or blasting or mildew in the Bible is associated with God's judgment. So, 
I'm not saying that's the case every single time, but it can be in that particular regard. Let's see here. They had to rip out the ceiling, the floor tiles to get rid of it. It's the only way they could get rid of it. Uh, well, at least what they were trying, at least. Okay, I, I would propose doing some different things, but it goes on to say everything was positive. The walls, the bed, the doors, the curtains, the phone. I've heard the hospital curtains in most of these hospitals are just infested with infectious stuff. I, I put out a report on that not too long ago in one of my health newsletters. I mean, just infested. So I really think they should be running ozonation between when they take patients out, let, let like saturate the room with some like medical grade ozone the ozone machines because that will kill most things and or at least knock down the uh and you don't want to be in the room while you're doing that okay to run it on a light level on certain machines is fine i think that's great but as far as a therapeutic dose of ozone o3 it'll kill most pathogens that are airborne and um you can find you can find the ozone machines up on you know you can just research it on amazon i'm not saying buy it off amazon amazon's evil but one of the nice things i do like about amazon is you can go up there and research stuff find out what the best one find out which has the best rating and i mean these are and you can look to see if a patient a person writes a review if it says verified purchase well okay you know they bought it and it's not like they're trying to sell it and if you've got like four thousand you know five uh, averaging four and a half star reviews then you're you know you know typically that you're going to get something that's a quality product so and then you know you can go maybe search for it elsewhere on the internet but um because like you know what we already got into what amazon's going to ultimately end up trying in the earlier part of the study so uh the sink, the whiteboard, the poles, the pump, everything was saturated for, with this Candida Auris. Said hospital president, Dr. Scott Lauren, the mattress, the bed rails, the canister holes, the window shades, the ceiling, everything in the room was positive. And this is something that if you contract it, you can be a carrier as well, but if you contract it, it has a 50% kill rate within 90 days if you just go the medical route. Now, I'm going to tell you how to deal with it you know another way so why is this happening simply put fungi are evolving defenses to resist and survive modern medications it's adapt and overcome it's survival of the fittest in the fungus world it's an enormous problem said imperial college of london fungal epidemiology professor matthew fisher who co-authored a recent scientific review on the rise of resistant fungi we depend on being able to treat those patients with antifungals while various theories ex exist as to why Candida auris has made such a grand entrance. Dutch microbiologist Jacques Mies believes the drug-resistant fungi are developing thanks to the heavy use of fungicides on crops. Yes, this is another reason because the, all these things are going to adapt. Pesticides, you put the worst pesticide out there, yeah, it'll, it'll work or whatever. It's, you know, it's killing you too because you're eating the foods that it's on. But eventually... The only bugs that are survive are going to be ones that adapt. It's micro adaption. It's not evolution. It's micro evolution. It's adaptation in order so that the, that species can survive. And then you have to create 
harsher pesticides or harsher antifungals on the crops to battle it's it's insanity it's absolute total insanity um going further this is similar to concerns that resistant bacteria are growing because of the excessive use of antibiotics and livestock exactly yeah it's same same things occurring in livestock same things occurring with pesticides and fungicides all of this is by design on purpose to ultimately destroy the food chain and destroy humanity you know and this is their excuse for coming out with gmo crops oh this one's roundup resistant we can spray spray roundup right on the plant which is normally a weed killer at, at glyphosate which is one of the most toxic things they're being sued like crazy now there's there i think costco stopped selling anything roundup now with the glyphosate in it there are some um organizations that are waking up to this and they spray it all over everything and and because the crop is a terminator roundup resistant frankenseed you can spray it right on the plant it won't affect the plant but it'll kill the bugs or the weeds or whatever around it it's, it's absolute total insanity what they're doing to the food and this is why i'm so big on if, if you can you know eating organic and or even better having your own organic garden but i mean obviously everybody can't do that i know i sure can't um but <clears throat> then again you have to i always wash everything i buy if it's organic and i know this is this isn't perfect but like um strawberries are, are the most polluted if you buy non-organic okay and the reason one of the reasons i believe that is they have all those little the little seeds and there's so many nooks and crannies for the pesticides to get so strawberries are always rated as the worst for being contaminated with pesticides just because of their nature the how they're they're shaped um but whenever i even buy organic i wash it i have like um a organic soap that i will use um it's that okay i just went and checked it's the calben five star soap and uh it's it's ingredient list even though it's not on the label i did get the ingredient list from the company i have no idea why they don't put it on the label but it's about as pure as anything you're gonna get it's like coconut you derive from like coconuts and stuff and it's good soap you can you buy it in bulk you get a great deal the more you buy the better deal you get and they got bar soap and and shampoo and um dish soap and um dishwasher they've got laundry detergent they've got the whole nine yards and so that's where i get my and then they have even these big it'll come in like a one gallon thing and you can buy the pump dispenser it's the way i've went for years that's a good thing to use because you want to try to get whatever chemtrail residue is off whatever organic things you're eating lettuce apples um <clears throat> strawberries these types of things i tend to eat at least one strawberry a day and or one strawberry one apple a day and you know an apple a day keeps the doctor away you know and i haven't been to a doctor and hmm i don't even remember <laughs> decades and decades I've, i'm my own doctor so you know um thank praise god you know so but i'm, I'm very grateful to the lord for keeping me out of the medical system i try to practice what i preach and uh, i take a lot of supplementation and uh but even even so i will i will wash those off with um you, you you have to have some type of what they call surfactant in order to get residues off of like a strawberry or an apple or lettuce and that type of stuff so remember they're still getting hit with chemtrails 
So it's always good to wash. All, it doesn't matter if it says, oh, wa there's some of those lettuces out there say, we, we wash it with water five times. Water's not going to get anything off as far. It, it'll get off like dirt. It's not going to get off chemtrails or something that's bonded to the actual thing. Just one more thing you can do. And um, you can buy the foamers from them, from Cal Ben, five star. You can look it up online. I don't have any stock in the company, um, but they're good. And um, the foamers will make the soap go a lot longer, and you only have to fill it up like maybe a quarter to a third with the dish soap and then fill the rest of it with water. So it goes a long way, and then it comes out nice and foamy, and it's already in a foamy state. And it's really, really good to put on vegetables, really, really great to wash your hands with or do any kind of um, work where you're like washing dishes and things of this nature. So just a little tip there. Uh, Let's go further here. So, I'll just read the last line. Dutch microbiologist Jacques Mies believes the drug-resistant fungi are developing thanks to the heavy use of fungicides on crops. Dr. Mies visited the CDC last summer to share research and theorize that the same thing is happening with Candida auris, which is also found in the soil. Fungicides, see, these things are meant to be found in the soil. Just like there's, we should have about 10% candida, candida strains in our intestinal tract, but it should be 90% good flora in an ideal way that God created it. Okay, with all the different good flora strains. What the good flora strains do is they keep the candida, the yeast, in check. But most people have the exact opposite because they eat meats that are, um, that are given all the antibiotics okay so even though you might not have taken antibiotics for years or maybe you have that kills all the flora in your intestinal tract uh, and even if you're not doing that you eat you eat um the meats where the cows have been given the um the antibiotics and the feed that gets in the meat you eat the meat non-organic meat and what ends up happening well those antibiotics get in your system and kill your flora it's not as severe as actually taking antibiotics but most people are walking around with the exact opposite ratio. They've got 90% candida in their intestinal tract and 10% good flora, if they've even got that. They might not have any. And you have to have the good flora for so many different things. It has a lot to do with your immune system function. It has a lot to do with bowel function. I mean, so many different things that I, I believe it helps prevent. I mean, you name any colon problem, well, you're going to probably be able to prevent it. In fact... And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I might as well just go over this real quick because this is very much, this very much, this is why I, I always recommend like, you know, if you're going to take five things, this is one of the, the products that I say we should all be on some kind of type of really, really good multivitamin. Okay. And like the Intramax or one of my whole food ones. And um, I'll get into that in a second. And then also a good flora product is one of them. And then there's, I don't know iodine is is a super important one and then um i know i've went over the glandulars before but the flora is a super important one and um probiotic uses probiotics are listed as an essential element in the nutritional treatment of okay remember this is the thing that god designed in our bodies that combat candida internally okay and keep candida in check if you're already loaded with candida you have to do the silver is, is well you don't have to but you could do other things i guess i just think the silver is the most effective thing at taking down the candida the invive mild silver protein like at least two thousand part per million if not five thousand i'll get into that in a second 
But with the flora, it can be used in treatment of athlete's foot, celiac disease, chronic fatigue. Now, granted, there's a lot of things that can cause chronic fatigue. Okay, Diverticulitis, fibromyalgia, fungal infections, prostatitis. It's very important for acne, allergies, candidiasis, which is candida overgrowth, which most people have, canker sores, cirrhosis of the liver, I'm assuming, hypoglycemia, jock itch, kidney disease, lactose intolerance, Legionnaire's disease, malabsorption syndrome, mononucleosis, mumps, nail problems, pancreatitis, PMS, sinusitis, ulcerative colitis, and urinary tract infection. Important in age spots, alcoholism, anorexia. If you're an, anybody who's an alcoholic is loaded with candida because of all foods that you could provide candida with, it craves alcohol the most. Okay, so mo everybody that's, you know, an alcoholic or whatever, and they're going around and they're drinking copious amounts of beer and wine, that is feeding the candida in their body and in their bloodstream because it gets into the bloodstream. Um, trust me, I've seen it on live blood cell analysis. You can actually see the, 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 the flocculation, the, uh, the colonies of candida in the bloodstream. They're very distinctive. And I don't think I ever checked one patient when I was doing it in practice because I was trained in that. Where you take a piece of uh, you 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 prick their finger and then you get a live blood cell and live blood and you put it under a slide and you look at it under a dark field mic microscopy microscope it's a special microscope where you can actually see the blood living and show the patient hey here's your blood here's what's in it you know this isn't my opinion i'm not trying to sell you something here's what you got going on here and and virtually everybody had candida colonies that i saw um so uh the things it's used for anorexia bladder infection bulimia crohn's disease diarrhea how any bowel or or digestive case this is one of those foundational products you just should have somebody on that's that's how i would view it um herpes indigestion irritable bowel syndrome multiple not to say it's a cure for like herpes or multiple sclerosis but they're saying there's it plays a factor in helping these things rheumatic fever Tooth decay, parasites, helpful for aging, uh, cholesterol, colds, constipation, dermatitis, heartburn, reflux, hives, lupus, meningitis, peptic ulcers, seborrhea, shingles, sore throat, and tonsillitis. I carry, well, I really carry three or four. Uh, I have, if you've never done it before, I recommend you do the flora. Now it's, they've just bumped it up to 314. So Innate has released the new one. I think it's about the same price. It's maybe a buck or two more. But it's the Innate Response Flora 300, meaning it has 300 billion, uh, billion, I don't know, cells of the good flora per capsule. You only do it for a week. There's only seven in a bottle. You do one a day. You always do flora on an empty stomach. And what that will do is recolonize your body and your intestinal tracts with the good flora. And then after that, depending on how much maybe you're dealing with, if, you, if you've got a lot of digestive stuff going on and intestinal issues, you want to probably just go down to the to their version of the 5014, meaning there's 50 billion colonies of the flora per capsule, as opposed to 300 for the week. So then you go to the 5014, that comes in a 30 or a 60 count bottle, and then, or you can just do the 2014, which is more their maintenance product. That's pretty much what I, I take about one every day of those empty stomach. And um, 
you know, that's another thing that you can do. Another product that you can do, I haven't said a lot about for men, is there's one they've got out now. And I'm not going to get into this today, but it's called L-Rutiri. I think there's a little bit of it in the innate response, but it's called L-Rutiri. And for men in particular with low hormonal levels, you want to do a keyword search for L-Rutiri uh, flora. And it'll probably spell correct because I don't have it right in front of me right now. But L-Rutiri probiotic male health on YouTube. Let's see what comes up. And it may seem hard to believe, but I believe it's valid what they're saying about it. And, and that can help a lot with increasing testosterone naturally. I don't carry it. I think there's a little bit of it in what I'm saying, but you would want to take a therapeutic dose of that if you were trying to accomplish that. Always take flora on an empty stomach, though. So those are the ones I carry. If you want to order from me, you're supporting our ministry. And um, also you get, well, one of the advantages you also get is now you're supporting the ministry, but you're, while I cannot do large consults, you're essentially consulting with a doctor that's been doing this for I mean, my word, 1990, because I, I started learning about this stuff way before I, I graduated from chiropractic college. So like 28 years I've been doing this, specialized in it. I mean, it was being trained to, I, you could, and again, this is going to totally sound like bragging, but you could put me in a room, you could have put me in a room 15 years ago, and that's what they were training me for, is to train other doctors how to use clinical nutrition. In that case, it was standard process. I know a lot more now than I did back then. And, um... So that's kind of what, you know, an advantage you get when um, when you buy products from us as well because I don't charge for that. And if you had to go to a doctor and get these from a doctor, you'd have to become their patient. You're going to have to pay the, cons pay the consultation fee. You're going to have to go there and all this other stuff. I can't offer you all the whole doctor-patient thing, though. I, I just don't have time. I, I, I'm so overwhelmed. But I can do what I can do, and I've got a lot of Word documents I can send you typically that can make it a lot simpler. So you understand what I'm recommending. Anyway, uh, getting back to this report. Uh, okay, so Dr. Meese visited the CDC last summer to share research and theorize that the same things are happening with the C. candida auris, which is found in the soil. Fungicides have created an environment so hostile that the fungi are evolving with resistant strains surviving. Now remember, resistant strain surviving. Remember that term. It's going to come up later. This is similar to concerns that resistant bacteria are growing because of the excess use of antibiotics in livestock. Okay, we cover that. Um, and as with antibiotics on farm animals, fungicides are also used widely on crops. Well, also you give those crops to the farm animals to eat. And so that's, they're affecting the, the farm animals, not only the antibiotics, but the fungicides and the pesticides are also getting concentrated in the farm animals you're eating if you're eating non-organic. I understand it's not an option for everybody. And I think it's why it's so important to pray over our food like the Bible says we're supposed to do. So this goes on to say on everything, they're spraying on everything, potatoes, beans, wheat, anything you can think of, tomatoes, onions, says Dr. Joanna Rhodes of the Infectious Disease Expert at Imperial College London. We are driving this with the use of antifungicides on crops. Well, at least they're being honest. At least they are. Keeping it quiet, though. In 2015, Dr. Rhodes received a panic call from the Royal Brompton Hospital Medical Research Center outside of London, where 
Candida aureans had taken root months earlier. The hospital had no idea how to get rid of it. We had no idea where it's coming from. We've never heard of it. It just spread like wildfire, Rhodes was told. Before she was helped, before she helped them clean it up, under her direction, hospital workers used a special aerosol devices to spray hydrogen peroxide around the room. Now, I would be totally cool with that. Hydrogen peroxide's great. I use, I use it every day, but I buy the food grade, and you can find it up there. Just do a keyword search for food grade hydrogen peroxide, and um, you can get it on um, uh, eBay and a lot of other places. And keep it refrigerated if you get it. I mean, like if you're going to um, keep your main bottle refrigerated if you buy it in quantity. And if you get the 35%, understand that stuff is dangerous. You have to dilute it. And you don't even want to let it get on your fingers at all because you've got to dilute it. If it gets on your fingers, it's going to burn you. I'm just warning you flat out. It's what I use, but I always dilute it. I'm very careful. with. I usually wet my hands. So if any gets on my hands when I'm like, uh, like putting it in another bottle to dilute it, it's like my I've already got water on my hands to kind of dilute it, and then I'm, I usually am right near a sink where, with water running. Okay, so um, you don't you don't necessarily have to buy it that way, but I like it because it's concentrated in, a, in a, like a I don't know if it comes in liter bottles or whatever, thirty two ounce bottles. It'll last you a long time. I use a little bit of my water purification. I go to a spring. Uh, when I go there, I know the water might sit in my house for a year sometimes at local spring. And so I'll put, I don't know, like 10 drops in there in like a five-gallon container of the 35%. Keeps down any bacterial overgrowth. I found it works great. Okay, and it's a lot better alternative than using chlorine, if you ask me, because <laughs> chlorine is poisonous. So that's just a little tip of something that I do. Uh, well, anyway, they were using a special aerosol device to spray hydrogen peroxide around the room, which housed a patient with the germ, with the theory being that the vapor would permeate the entire room. I kind of wonder, though, what strength they were using. You know, because it was if it was 3%, I, I don't think that's enough. I think you would need to use a higher uh, percentage. But anyway, after one week of saturating the room, they put a subtle plate in the middle of it on a, with gel at the bottom that would allow any remaining microbes to grow. Only one grew back. In other words, they had killed everything other than Candida auris. Hydrogen peroxide was not able to kill it. Now, granted, it wasn't because they didn't spray enough high enough percentage of it. And, you know, I don't know. But this is it's not comforting that the only one grew back and it was the Candida auris. And the officials were scrambling to keep a lid on it. It was spreading. But... Word of it was not out. The hospital, especially lung, especially lung and heart center that draws wealthy patients from the Middle East and around Europe, alerted the British government and told infected patients, but made no public announcement. This hush panic is playing out in hospitals around the world. Individual institutions and national, state, and local governments have been reluctant to publicize outbreaks of resistant infections, arguing there is no point on in scaring patients or prospective ones. And this is all coming from the New York Times. They're even admitting to this. Pretty bad when they are. And while Brompton Hospital did make headlines, the issue remained largely out of the spotlight internationally. Well, of course, because they're always going to want to keep a lid on this kind of stuff. Despite an even larger outbreak in Valencia, Spain, occurring at virtually the same time at the 992-bed hospital Universitari Politecnica, La Fe, 
unknown to the public or unaffected patients, 372 people had become colonized with the germ, meaning it was on their bodies, but they had not yet contracted it. So they would be like a carrier, potentially. Of those, 85 patients developed bloodstream infections, and 41% of those died within 30 days. So it's a pretty high kill rate once it gets in your system. And while other prominent strains of Candida have not developed significant resistance to drugs, over 90% of Candida auris infections are resistant to at least one drug, while 30% are, are resistant to two or more. According to Connecticut's Deputy State Epidemiologist, Dr. Lynn Sosa, Candida auris is now the top threat among resident infections. It's pretty much unbeatable and difficult to identify. So that's coming straight from the horse's mouth. Now, Mike Adams just released a report on this, you know, while I was doing this study. And it says, imagine a dystopian science fiction future where hospital ventilation ventilation systems are pumping out a deadly superbug right into the open atmosphere where winds carry it to local communities and farms infecting crops and foods with chemical resistant fungal strains that have been reported uh to have as much as a 41 to 88 percent fatality rate in humans so he's saying it's 41 to 88 percent fatality rate of the candida auris depending on where it shows up and who's infected in this type of stuff and imagine that the CDC knew about it, but refused to tell you which hospitals were infected. Local hospitals hid the fact that their own hospital rooms and intensive care units were being overrun with this fatal fungi, and that all world's, world's epidemiological experts had no idea where the pathogen had come from or how to stop it. <laughs> but this is exactly what's going on, though. Well, imagine no more. It's real. It's happening right now, and the pandemic has been spreading Silently spreading over the last four years with virtually no media reports, very little information. Isn't that always the case about what we talk about anymore? Like, even all the stuff I went through over Trump, there's no there's no media reports on it. They really wanted to take Trump down. Why wouldn't they report on all the, how he's betraying the com country on the ways that he is? Not the, not the good things he's doing, but on the ways he's, on the bad stuff he's doing. Well, because that fits their agenda, and ultimately he's on their team, you know? So they're going to create all this theater like they're still whatever, trying to get him out of there and going to impeach him and all this other stuff. But that's all theater. That's all just to keep you distracted. Well, it's very reminiscent of this. There, there's, there's, no, there's no talk about it. It's been spreading silently over the last four years no virtu with virtually no media reports, very little information from the CDC, and a coordinated cover-up by the hospitals of Western world to keep patients in the dark while they're being infected and killed by a deadly pathogen. I'm really close to being over in time on this, but he adds some other things in here. Um, the mass chemical contamination of farm soils is in the name of crop yield. Soil is a complex living ecosystem, and it is. And soils naturally harbor an astonishing array of microbiology, including bacteria, fungi, and viruses. In healthy soils, the most dangerous organisms are crowded out by the good organisms. This survival competition keeps the the really nasty bugs in check preventing them from expanding their colonies and gaining ground but it's just kind of like your intestinal tract if you have enough good flora well it keeps the candida and the other bad guys in check because that's what they're there for but in modern farming modern farming relies heavily on chemical pesticides herbicides and fungicides these chemicals which are routinely sprayed on food crops demonstrate selective chemical toxicity that kills some organisms but leaves others untouched even worse, some strains develop resistance to agricultural chemicals through a process of adaptation, microbiological, natural selection. This leads to the rise of the so-called superbugs. 
Superbugs is, is a generic term that can apply to insects that develop chemical resistance or can describe microbes or even fungi that develop resistance to chemicals that would otherwise kill them. So this is, you know, this is basically what we're doing. This is what this Candida auris is really all about. So at the end, he says, five warnings from the CDC's fungal expert, Dr. Tom Chiller. What a name, Tom Chiller. Warning number one, Candida auris can spread between patients and healthcare facilities and cause outbreaks. In this way, it appears to behave much like the multi-resistant bacteria Staphylococcus aureus, methyl resistant Staphylococcus aureus, which is also called MRSA. And I have a whole protocol for that as well, if you want to know how to battle that naturally. Warning two Candida auris can colonize on a patient's skin for months or longer. Yes, months. That means a carrier can remain a carrier for a very long time. That is unbelievable. What if you're like in bed with your husband your wife and you got it in the hospital you come home you're a carrier it's not affecting you because for one reason though your immune system's not letting it get in your and then you just you're you know it's on the bed sheets it's now you're next to your husband and he gets it and dies i mean that's what it can do three this hardy yeast can live on surfaces for a month or more and preliminary testing suggests that quaternary ammonium compounds commonly used for healthcare and disinfection may not be sufficient against Candida auris. In other words, the usual chemicals that hospitals use to clean rooms simply don't work against this. Three, Candida auris is quickly becoming more common. In, in some international healthcare facilities, it has gone from an unknown pathogen to cause a 40% increase of invasive Candida infections within a few years. Oh, man. Five, Candida auris is often multi-drug resistant. And we've kind of covered this, but I just wanted to... Man, this is... this. He really goes even a lot further than I even went. But I can, I can only cover some... I mean, I'm already on part... What is it? Three we're at, and I'm... I'm, uh, I'm not even near done yet. Uh, that... Another thing that you might want to avail yourself to is that Thieves... It's called Thieves... Um, and I don't mean from Young Living because I don't like buying from Young Living because they're it's the essential oil company. The reason I don't is because it's Gary Young. He's a he's a descendant of Brigham Young, and he's like a combination New Ager slash Mormon. Very very bad combo. And I used to be part of the company, and trust me, I've heard him say some really really blasphemous stuff about Jesus. So I recommend, and I'm trying to find the company right now, the thieves kind of knockoff preparation it's they make it's just as good it's just a better price here it is spark naturals sparknaturals.com they sell it and you can make your own you can go up on youtube and key and make uh diy do it yourself thieves spray okay and it's let me just see if i can find it here blends I'm on the, I'm on the, on their uh, website right now. I, yeah, it's called Shield Blend, okay? And you can buy like, well, I mean, if you buy even a five milliliter bottle, it's only ten bucks. I would, I would buy though. They make a fifteen. I'd buy the fifteen. And Spark Naturals is pleased to present this ancient blend based on legend. The legend has its roots in the 15th century England during the time of the Great Plague. Grave robbers 
or thieves, this is why how Gary Young named their product thieves, developed their own blend of clove, cinnamon bark, lemon, eucalyptus, and rosemary, or you could get those discreet essential oils and make it yourself, okay, uh, to protect them while robbing the plague victims. Okay, so it's clove, cinnamon bark, lemon, eucalyptus, and rosemary. But here's the thing. The reason I might not recommend you doing it yourself is, number one, I don't know the percentages, and number two, with cinnamon bark, and I think even clove some too, you can really light yourself up with that stuff if you use too much, especially cinnamon bark. So you got to be careful on this. This potent blend only contains essential oils and no carrier oils, which is really what you want because you don't want carrier oils um, if you're trying to get the most for what you're paying for. So it's sparknaturals.com shield. Okay, it's under the blend. They've got oils that you can buy. And then just go up to YouTube and say how to make thieves um, spray. And you'll find it. You'll find it. And they'll tell you how to do it. And I have it in my car. I spray it on my hands. After I get in the car, if I've like been out or whatever, touching door handles and all this other stuff. Or if I'm going to eat, go eat or whatever. Um, I, I spray it on my hands. Uh, you know, if it ever got really, really bad and you went out, you can spray the... Um, those facial masks, you know, like the, um, you know, that they were in the hospital, filtration masks. You can spray that with the thieves, just like they did in medieval times. And you can even spray and the backside with the silver if you want to, the 5,000, because I think that would also be beneficial. But at least do the thieves spray. These are just little things that you can do that may end up saving your life. I mean, I know God's in control, but they're little tips that could literally save your life. So... Uh, that's all I have. I'm totally out of time on this part. I'm going to try to get to this next part here and hopefully be able to finish this out for you.